Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Sports Radio 92.9, the game back at a Chuck show, hanging out in the Kia studios with you on this Monday evening. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Well, training camp comes up uh, starting uh, next uh, Thursday as uh, we will be out there large and in charge. And uh, obviously, we'll have all of your camp coverage, exclusive camp coverage from Flowery Branch as uh, a new season gets underway. Let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline. Lannis Ford dealer. Let's talk to Tyler Dragon. He is a NFL reporter for USA Today. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page at the Tyler Dragon. Tyler, appreciate uh, a few minutes here in Atlanta this evening, and uh, we thank you for being on the show. Of course. How are you doing this evening? Man, I am good. I am good. And, look, a lot of expectation coming into this uh, Atlanta Falcons team. So I'll ask you the same question I've asked a lot uh, of our folks that we've we've had on talking about this team. Take away Desmond Ritter, and I know it's not easy to do, but take away Desmond Ritter. What else on this team do you think that – you have the biggest questions about as far as the Falcons go. <laughs> well, you already took away my biggest question, right. which is Desmond Ritter. <laughs> um, I definitely have a question about uh, the team's pass rush. I know they signed uh, Bud Dupree. That's a solid pickup in Calais Campbell. But Calais Campbell, uh, his best years are behind him. He's still a productive uh, defensive lineman. But I do question the team's pass rush and uh, their offensive line. So after the quarterback position, I would say rushing the passer and then offensive line. Those are my three biggest questions for the Atlanta Falcons uh, entering training camp. So, you know, they say, uh, Tyler, that the the uh, quarterback's best friend is a running game. And obviously we know that this Falcons team can really run the football. They were – they were third in the NFL, and they were two yards away from being the second-best rush team in the league. How important is it to be able to do some other things when you have a young quarterback, an unproven quarterback? We got just a small sample size, but you really feel like, though, you have to lean on both the running game and the ability of some of your other playmakers to produce on offense. So I have to admit, I'm an old-school football mind. I do like smash-mouth football and run-oriented offenses and running to set up the pass. But you can't just be one-dimensional winning football games in today's NFL. 
Now, I do like the pieces around Desmond Ritter to be able to throw the football, uh, especially, you know, with Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Those are really good players at their respective uh, positions. But, you know, it's going to be a huge question if he can deliver the ball with accuracy and how much development does he take in this second season uh, as a quarterback. Is he going to uh, take a leap? and his uh, development as a pocket passer, as a, a passer with precision and accuracy. So that's a huge question I have. But you have to be able to pass uh, the football, especially in those crucial, you know, third and long moments, third and eight, third and nine, uh, in the fourth quarter when the game gets uh, tight, uh, when teams are going to take away the run, stacking eight and nine up in the box. They are going to force Desmond Ritter to beat uh, – them with his arm and that's going to be a huge question game in and game out for the Falcons Tyler Dragon NFL reporter for USA Today joining me here on the wadeford.com hotline Tyler you, you know you mentioned the uh, the pass rush and obviously that's been a a bugaboo but you know they have invested so much high draft capital in running back wide receiver you know tight end and you know I, I've talked about the idea that Look, if, if that's where you're going to go with your draft picks and those are the guys that we're going to roll with, you know, Kyle Pitts is I, – I think that Kyle Pitts has got to be that Travis Kelsey type of player, that he's got to be a 100-catch, dozen-touchdown type of guy or, you know, those non-premium positions. You've you, you got to have a guy perform at that level. Is it fair to put that kind of expectation on guys like Kyle Pitts? I mean, especially given where they were drafted? Oh, that is certainly fair. And Kyle Pitts was uh, drafted to be a Pro Bowl, all-pro type player. Yes, he had a Pro Bowl season uh, in that rookie year, but last year was a bit of a down year. Yes, he only played in, uh, and started in those 10 games, but you hope he can be healthier uh, in his third year as a pro and take another leap. That, that 28 receptions is not – uh, something that the Falcons uh, certainly need. They want him to be up in that 68, 70, maybe 80 receptions mark and definitely pick up that the touchdown production in the red zone. That's critical for the tight end position. He's a big body uh, player, and quarterbacks need um, tight ends to be able to catch passes in those tight, confined areas, especially in the red zone. And, and for him to only have three receiving touchdowns in his third season. That, I know, is a sore spot for him and the Falcons and something that he wants to pick up in his third season. So I do expect uh, him to be a, a better player. But the expectations are certainly going to be high for Kyle Pitts because he got drafted to be one of those Kelsey-type or Kittle-type tight ends. You know, I guess one good thing, Tyler, is the fact that this division is just kind of all over the board. And, you know, Vegas seems to, you know, kind of favor the Saints as far as who's going to win the division. But it really does feel like maybe not so much Tampa Bay, but really I could see a scenario where any of the other three teams, Carolina, the Falcons, or the Saints, really end up winning this division and maybe not in some runaway fashion with, you know, 12, 13, 14 wins. It feels like everybody's just kind of in a jumbled mess in the NFC South. 
<laughs> I have to agree with you. And people are so high on the Saints because they have the quarterback with probably, you know, the, the best resume entering uh, 2023, NFL resume, I should say, entering this season, and the quarterback with the most experience in a Derek Carr. But when I look at every single team across the division, um, especially at the skill position, I, I would say the Saints and the Falcons are uh, neck and neck. And uh, that is one reason. And then when I look at the defensive side of the football, you know, those three teams, they're pretty neck and neck too. So I do, I don't think uh, anything above 10 wins is going to uh, win the division. I think you're right around that eight, nine or 10 win mark uh, is probably uh, the barrier to win uh, the NFC South. I don't see a team getting to that 11 or 12 win threshold. I do think the division is going to be very, very tight, especially between the Panthers, Falcons, and Saints. Who do you think is the top three teams in the NFC right now? Leave the AFC out of it because that's just a, a slugfest over in the AFC. But when you look at the NFC, what do you think the top three teams are entering the season for the NFC are right now? Well, the Eagles and the 49ers have certainly separated themselves. I think it's clear cut that they are the top three teams in the NFC. Uh, and that third team, uh, it's pretty much a crapshoot. You can uh, say that the Dallas Cowboys are right there uh, in the mix. And um, you could also say the Seattle Seahawks and that run game and if Geno Smith can continue to play at a high level there in the mix. So I would say probably the Cowboys or the Seattle Seahawks is probably the third best team across the board talent wise entering uh, this season. Tyler, when you look at the AFC, it's, I mean, it's a bloodbath. I mean, it's Kansas city, Cincinnati, Buffalo. I mean, the Ravens, I mean, it's just, you know, up and down, there are so many good teams in the AFC. Is there a team in the AFC specifically that you think could surprise and find their way into that mix of one of the top teams? Is there a kind of a, a team that we're sleeping on in the AFC that could climb their way into one of those top spots? So I'll give you three that I'm keeping my eye on. Mm -hmm. I believe the Miami Dolphins have had a really good offseason. They have all the talent, certainly all the speed to be really good on both sides of the ball. The Baltimore Ravens, if Lamar Jackson can stay healthy, I really like what they did this offseason. They solidified their receiving course with Odell Beckham and Isaiah uh, flowers. And then you have uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, too. I think if Justin Herbert can play like he did his rookie in his sophomore season, the Chargers have a chance to take a leap, too, and compete with the Kansas City Chiefs in the division. Tyler Dragon, NFL reporter for USA Today, joining me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. You also cover track and field for uh, USA Today. Uh, we just had the um, uh, USA uh, Track and Field Championships here recently. Uh, give me the state of men's track, specifically men's, because I think the women's team is in is in really good shape. I mean, but what do you think about the men's team? Like, where is the men's team right now as far as just overall talent and depth of talent in the world of track? 
<laughs> it is uh, funny you ask that. I, I love the track and field question. I do not get a lot of those on the radio <laughs> around the country. Uh, I have to say uh, Noah Lyles is the face of, um, you know, the USA track and field um, on the men's side. Um, he's a, the American record holder in the 200 meters. Uh, certainly uh, can run the 100 as well. He's young and has the potential to be an Olympic champion uh, next year at the Paris Olympics. And then it's not the sexiest uh, event, and uh, it's not the event that gets a whole lot of media attention, but Ryan Krauser, um, the U.S. shot putter, he's the best shot putter of all time. He's the world record holder, the American record holder. He's beating everybody by two or three feet. Now, if he was uh, this dominant in a sport like the NFL or the NBA, he would be a household name. And he would certainly be somebody that <laughs> covers and magazines and, you know, newspaper articles and whatnot. So I would say those two are the face and uh, of, uh, you know, the United States track and field, certainly on the men's side, Noah, Noah Lyles and Ryan Krauser. You know, Shikari Richardson, I mean, you know, the the women's side does feel like that there is a lot of top-tier talent, you know, almost like sort of some of the old days and the glory days of, of track and field. But why do you think that there – have the men just not been as good as, you know, again, I'm an old guy. So, again, Carl Lewis, Edwin Moses, you know, guys like that. I mean, you know, I, I grew up watching those guys. Is the star power just not there? Because, again – Track and field was always a, a – it was a glamour sport in a lot of ways, especially, you know, your 100 and your 200, you know, runners. And it doesn't feel like, especially in the men's side of things, that it's got that glamour anymore. Like it doesn't have the kind of star power that it's had in decades past. Yeah, because Usain Bolt of Jamaica was winning all the sprinting medals. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and if Usain Bolt was an American, we would be having a whole different conversation. But he was really dominant during his heyday uh, for over a decade. So when when you look at the sprints, that's, those are the sexier events. And you don't really have a sprinter to win an Olympic gold medal and the 100, the 200. And so that's why Noah Lyles has the best chance. He's already a world champion in an event, and he has a chance to win a second uh, world championship in the 200 meters uh, next month in Budapest. So I really do believe he is probably that next big sprint. Well, he already is next, but I think if he can win an Olympic gold medal, that will certainly solidify his place. And, you know, you, I was at the Tokyo Olympics, the men, especially on the sprinting side, it was abysmal and the 100, 200, 400, the relays, it was just not good enough for the, uh, the U S team and uh, the male side. And you look at the women's side, you had, um, you know, uh, Sydney McLaughlin and uh, a thing Mo winning gold medals. And, you know, the women's side and the Americans, they did a really, really good job. And they have that star power because they have a Sydney McLaughlin and uh, a thing Mo and Shakari Richardson now emerging as a sprinter. So uh, the male side, they got to get still better, but you have to be able to perform at that Olympic and championship level. And I think that's what's been missing in recent years, but Noah Lyles, I believe he's coming. 
And, and, and let me just follow up, and I literally just got about 30 seconds left. But, you know, in the old days, we even knew the top long jump. And, I mean, Carl Lewis was part of that. I mean, that's why we also knew, you know, long jump. But, I mean, long jump, high jump, I mean, those were those were events that the U.S. team dominated as well. And, and we knew the guys that were in those kinds of events. We don't even see some of that kind of stuff anymore besides just the sprinters and the relay guys. Yeah, and, and I can go on and on and on why, but another short answer for that is you don't see track and field on TV enough, especially mm-hmm. on network television and on primetime television. And that is something USATF has to work on to change because it's hard to be popular when you're not seen at all on national TV. Tyler Dragon, he covers the NFL track and field for USA Today. He's on his personal Twitter page, at the Tyler Dragon, and join me here on the WadeFord.com hotline. Tyler, really appreciate the conversation. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes in Atlanta. We will certainly chat again with you here soon. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Have a great night. You got it. When we come back, it will be time for What's Bug and Chuckery. Um, can I say that I couldn't disagree with Greg Sankey more? And I love Greg Sankey, but I could not disagree with him more. Chuck Green, the Key Studios, Sports Radio, and that's the game, the Odyssey.com app. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 